0: everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics Podcast for March 18th, 2022. It is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, joining you, as always, from Austin, Texas. Great show today. Not a good show. A great show coming to you today because we got a little bit of the uh, Neapolitan ice cream of, of things that the PX3 show does well. One of the things that you guys really like from me is analysis beyond the headlines. A look at some of the underlying strategies that are playing out in the news stories that you are consuming. And amongst all the foot stomping and hooting and hollering, what is happening in the tectonic plates below? Well, I got a good one here for you. Because the more I look at this don't say gay bill controversy, the more I believe that Republicans aren't embarrassed. They're not happy. They're thrilled that the Democrats have chosen this bill to fight on. We'll explain that in a second. Another thing you guys like is the ability to try and think a a few steps ahead. And we're going to look a few steps ahead as there are now, for the first time, from the Secretary of State, a Blinken, some... Words that that maybe these sanctions that we have put on Russia were not designed to be permanent. We are not designed to create a hermit state in Russia, but rather they will be taken off if our demands are met when it comes to their withdrawal. So we're going to look a little bit ahead. So you guys have a little bit of perspective when you're having these conversations with your friends, families and enemies. You are able to say, well, you know, when you're thinking ahead, dot, dot, dot. But here is something that we are fascinated with. Indeed, it is the lifeblood of this show. And yet we have never had an interview like you are going to listen to today. A politician for whom has just gotten in the race and is answering everything. Everything. And it helps because I know him, Michael Shore, who uh, I worked with a few years ago and I've seen throughout the country because he was traveling, covering uh, presidential politics as I was, has now decided to lay down his journalism career and run for Congress, specifically the 37th district in California, the seat being vacated by Karen Bass, who is running for mayor of L.A., but when I tell you that we get into the mechanics of how this goes, who you call, how you spend your days, we get into all of it. You might not agree with Michael Shore's politics, and that's fine. But you are going to very much find valuable how this process actually works. I guarantee it. All that. Burr! Don't say gay bill in Florida is a trap that the Democrats fell into. This bill has been opposed by Florida Democrats, National Democrats, President Biden, celebrities. Even the CEO of Disney was made to U-turn and reverse course to scold Florida Governor Ron DeSantis about. And in an era where activist Republican state legislatures have passed many laws that are certainly onerous in the mind of national liberal voters, this, at least when you first hear it, could possibly be the most Orwellian. To hear the noise, it's a banning of the word and concept of gay in Florida public schools. And yet, just this week, a political morning consult poll shows that a majority of respondents agree with the bill. 51% they agreed with the text of the bill, while 35% opposed it. That is not the case when you look at some of these other bills, specifically the ones that have been popular nationally, or issues that have been popular nationally, like abortion or women's health care. So, Where is the disconnect here? I'll tell you. The Democratic reaction to this bill was, how do I say it? I mean, I I think they just picked the wrong bill. I don't think this was the fight to pick. Here's why. They memed a bill that the Republicans are excited to be famous. And we're going to get into why that is. Part of it is the fact that, like I just said, the bill has nationwide majority support when you actually discuss the verbiage of the bill. Number three, you are highlighting a loss. They're not going to have the ability to have this not signed into law. So you're bringing a lot of attention to the fact that you are ineffectual. And if you look at this from a national perspective, I do believe that the noise around this and the fact that it's not what they are saying it is distracts from other state bills, specifically abortion bills in Mississippi and Texas, as well as what Ken Paxton just did as attorney general here in Texas when it came to uh, child health care for trans kids. These are things that are indeed as scary as described and you can make gains with. So, let's discuss what is in the bill. Here's the disconnect. Everybody listening has sympathy for kids finding themselves, especially when it comes to puberty issues. We've all been awkward. We've all been scared, believing that everyone else had things figured out and that our problems were unique. Our universal connection to these issues triggers even more sympathy For some, when we discuss queer, gay, and trans kids. By and large, though, we associate these issues with an era of time closer to puberty. Which brings us to our first issue. In the bill, the kids that would be affected by this are not that close to puberty. The language of the bill states that teachings on sexual orientation or gender identity would be banned, quote, in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards, end quote. Now, we're going to get to everything after the or in a second. But first, let's understand that the bill specifically is daring anyone opposed to it to fight on the idea that this will only affect kindergarten through third grade students. A time when fewer voters have searing memories of sexual questions in general, let alone sexual identity questions. Now. Let's go into that rest of the sentence, quote, or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. Now, that's where some of the opponents to this bill say is a slippery slope. By pushing this into a procedural fight with state standards, you are moving the argument out of the legislative realm and into who controls the government at any given time. Course, the folks who are pushing the bill say this is only so you can safeguard this K through three distinction, even if technically it's not called kindergarten, first, or second, or third grade. Still, the possibility that state standards could be changed so this could involve people beyond third graders is. A possibility. And unfortunately, voters do not react to possible possibilities, especially when they only read the headlines. So if you are saying that in the bill, this is specifically marked for kindergarten through third graders, then that will tend to be what stick in people's minds. To brand the bill as saying it's a ban on saying the word gay in schools and then having it only explicitly affect the youngest of public school students is a fight that Ron DeSantis and the national GOP are very, very, very willing to have. Which brings me to my next point. Exactly how banned is the word gay for even those kids? The K through third conservatives will be quick to say that the word gay does not appear once in the bill. And that's true, but sexual orientation does. So whatever, and en- en- enjoy your victory. The real word nerd fight in this bill is the seemingly interchangeable use of two totally different words, discussion and instruction. Now, in the preamble for this bill, the following sentence appears, quote, classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity, end quote. But in the actual text of the bill, it reads, quote, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur, Now, very obviously, these two words mean two different things. A ban on discussion would make the teacher a speech police officer. A ban on instruction would be limited to curriculum. Now, the question here is, is how much does the preamble to a law matter versus the actual text of the law? And some have argued that legally, if this were challenged, a judge would go to the preamble looking for more context as to the intention of the lawmakers. But again, we're getting into an issue that is two or three steps beyond what is actually in the bill. And if what is actually in the bill is that teachers in public schools for kids aged kindergarten to third grade would not be allowed to directly instruct about sex and sexual identity to prepubescent kids, well, look, if you want to fight on that, you can. I'm just saying that it is one that the Republicans will relish having. Politically, you'd rather be on the side of the argument that's able to say nowhere in the text of what will actually be law does uh, the bill do what my opponents say it will do. While you can argue in return that a legal challenge to the law could take that preamble into account, again, we're just too far in the weeds for political messaging. I'm not saying that this isn't a possible slippery slope. I'm not saying it's even per se a good law. I'm saying that it is an opportunity for Republicans to look across the aisle to Democrats, Democratic donors, celebrities and the president of the United States and tell any audience that will listen. What they want is for teachers in public schools to instruct prepubescent Kids about sexual identity and gender. As if the Democrats did not have enough headaches when it came to education issues right now. They already have issues when it comes to how the lockdowns were handled. They already have issues when it comes to the teachers' unions. Hell, Beto O'Rourke in Texas last weekend reversed his stance on critical race theory. And said it shouldn't be taught in schools. So, will Ron DeSantis get yet another helping of Democrats trying to explain what should and shouldn't be taught in schools in a way that they can shape as it being a progressive overreach? Yes. Yes, he will. And he's going to raise a ton of money on it, which brings me to why I think this has happened with Florida Democrats. It's catchy. It really is a great brand. Don't Say Gay is is an amazing meme. And I'm sure for some of them, they raised a bunch of money. But I don't think this is a winning issue. And on the opposite side, I think it's a winning issue for Ron DeSantis. I consider myself a fairly educated guy when it comes to history, but I am by no means an exhaustive scholar. That being said, growing up close to Cuba, I always sort of understood that the economic sanctions that were brought to that island, while certainly in the eyes of those that levied them, morally understood did not exactly benefit the Cuban people. I mean, neither did the regime that was sitting over them. And if you look at what's happened with Iran, I think we can understand what happens when economic sanctions create effectively a hermit state. And we see even now how hard the United States is working when it comes to trying to make sure that Iran does not have a nuke. So what happens when we are currently pushing an even larger country that has the most nukes into another hermit state with our economic sanctions? Now, obviously, like what's happened with Iran, like what's happened with Cuba, you can understand why. And if anything, we are at a moment in history when we can understand why the best Certainly sanctions are an elegant solution for us to do something in between the least (laughs) and possibly starting World War III. And possibly, if indeed the Russians are negotiating in good faith and there can be an end to this war, reasonably, one could say that the sanctions efforted that along sooner. But all the same, one of the things that I had found myself wishing would be part of the talking points of the Biden administration was the recognition that these weren't permanent. That Russia needs to do X, Y, and Z, and we will remove these sanctions. And I was happy to see that some of that came through on Wednesday. According to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken uh, to NPR, the Russian government must carry out an irreversible withdrawal from its invasion of Ukraine before these sanctions will be lifted. He went on further that the sanctions were not designed to be permanent and could go away should Russia change its behavior. But a mere withdrawal of Russian forces might not be enough. Instead said that Blinken said that the U.S. would insist that a Russian pullback be, in effect, irreversible. This can't happen again, that Russia won't pick up and do exactly what it's been doing a year or two years or three years. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know how Russia would be able to prove that they weren't going to invade Ukraine again. But I do know that punishing the people of Russia for. The existence of Vladimir Putin's authoritarian regime is a real quick way to continue to engender anti Western philosophies. Everyone's eventually going to wind up settling with the person that they have to settle with. And at the end of the day, the Russian people will have to deal with Putin and will feel put out by the United States and other EU countries. Not having anything to do with them, so I also don't know if if making a, a a Putin even more reliant on China is necessarily what we want, considering the fact that we went out and tried to convince China not to get closer to Putin this week. All that being said, I did just want to look ahead here, and I wanted to float that out that I was happy to see that Blinken at least was acknowledging that we don't plan on these sanctions for lasting forever Ladies and gentlemen you can support this very show by heading on over to takepoliticsseriously.com Over there you get our Patreon program, very simple the $3 level, you get two bonus podcasts each and every week. The Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show where I break down all of the Sunday morning talk shows and we try to suss out the narratives that are coming through it. And they might actually talk about politics this week. That'll be exciting. And then, of course, there's the late edition. That comes out on Thursdays. And... That is the latest news that we cover because I record the Friday episode a little bit earlier in the week. So anything that happens, really, after Wednesday afternoon, that news is going to be covered on that Thursday edition. But in reality, what you guys are funding is my ability to go out and cover the news unlike any other podcast that you hear. Because a lot of the big political podcasts... They just kind of talk about politics. And a lot of them are great at it. I'm not taking anything away from them. But there ain't a whole lot of them that spend their own money without any kind of corporate umbrella to go out and cover these stories. And that's exactly what we're set to do. Because we are in primary season, baby. May, June. That's when it counts. We are heading out to Georgia. We are heading out to Ohio. We are heading out to Pennsylvania. It is going to be big boy primary season, red on red violence, blue on blue violence. You get to be a part of it because this is totally independent. If you didn't give me the money, I wouldn't have it to spend. It's just that pure. It's just that simple. It's just one click away at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. The 37th Congressional District of California contains Culver City, Inglewood, and West Los Angeles. It is currently represented by Karen Bass, who, you might remember, became a finalist for the vice presidency back in 2020. However, Bass is leaving D.C. to run for the mayorship of Los Angeles, and so, with a wide-open seat, many are vying for that deep blue district. Separate but related story. In 2016, for about 15 minutes, BitTorrent, the protocol primarily known for online piracy, wanted to be a news network. And so, as their lead anchors for coverage of the Republican and Democratic national conventions, they hired Michael Shore, a respected television professional known online for his work with the Young Turks, and me. I tell you these two stories together because one of the folks gunning for that congressional seat is indeed my former colleague turned congressional candidate, Michael Shore. Welcome to the show, Michael. It's uh, it's great to be here. I, You know, what you have done,
1: uh, Justin, is fantastic. You've built this show. And I remember when the show didn't exist and you were just at the conventions talking about politics and your voice <laughs> and your manner and your demeanor was so good. I knew that this uh, this day would come. I know this is uh, that you. I'm not here to flatter you, but I'm really impressed by it. It's really just great.
0: You know, you've been a politician for like a week and you're already sucking up to the media. This is yeah, this Justin, is it's Justin, exceptional. I, tell you,
1: I, I don't know if I mentioned <laughs> how impressed I am with what you're doing. Have I done that?
0: <laughs> because definitely people in the media. There's only nothing but naked jealousy and contempt for other people in the media. Journalists (laughs) like have frenemies uh, 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 almost exclusively in journalism, but now you're a politician. So you can appreciate the media side. But
1: I am going to challenge that. I mean, I I, I think I know what you're saying is right. I think that you have colleagues that you are happy for. And I think that there are people that you come up with and who you see doing things. First of all, we don't, I'm never going to be competition for you. So we don't do no. things no, no, no. in the same space. Um, and, and I would uh, say that, yeah, uh, am I envious of someone who's out on the campaign trail for CNN when I was on the campaign trail yeah. for Cheddar? Yeah, yeah, of course I am. Uh, I don't <laughs> know them. I don't know them. I know you. And yes, no. pre- all I want you to do is succeed. Um, I, yeah. Unless you're running against me and then we have a different And then it would be,
0: then it would yeah. be a problem. No, no. In all, in all seriousness, I do think that there is, uh, uh, A a fascinating dynamic amongst journalism because it is a competitive uh, uh, area, uh, especially in a pre-internet world where now like the world of of Substacks and podcasts and all that have created more of a lane for the like the random oddball like I am. But uh, in general, there's only so many major metropolitan dailies. There's only so many networks. There's only so many uh, uh, slots there. Uh, but anyway, all right. Here, whatever. That's finally. Yep. Uh, you, I I know that you are still in the media because we immediately spent the first two minutes of this podcast talking <laughs> about media. But uh, uh, you are now running for Congress. Yeah. Uh, I have always been fascinated to ask this of somebody: Why? Why yeah. on earth? And and beyond the the uh, uh, the the political reasons, why we'll, we'll get into what what you believe and what you're fighting for. But you know what politicians go through. You know what that schedule is. You know how much as a journalist you are listening to people trying to find the newsworthy thing, whether or not it's the thing that they want to get across. Why would you subject yourself to it? Uh, it, it's a question. I, I mean, honestly, I can't quite answer it yet. Uh, What I
1: because the, the part as much as I did know, and I think this is a fascinating part. I'm uh, let's say ten days into my run, and yeah. it's the thirty seventh district in California, and it was you know it was a it was the the bravest thing I've ever done. Right? It might be the stupidest, but I don't think so. Uh, It it, it was something that you have to sort of put yourself out there to do. I think that the the big why of this is is the is the notion that I feel like it's an emergency. Like we are up close to to everything that is right, but also everything that is wrong right now. When I say Mm -hmm. we, you in the media, people in the media, people who traveled the country covering politics, who hear from voters, not just have the the ones that have microphones in the faces of elected officials, who hear from voters, right? We know that January 6th is the tip of the iceberg. We know that that had been boiling uh, uh, over to, to a certain point when it happened, and 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 there was while it was shocking and devastating and all of the 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 things you can say about it, it wasn't a total surprise that something like that was going to happen. And I do think when you see things like voting rights, I mean, I think voting rights is the number one thing. When I see that voting rights can't pass through this Congress, to me that means that the influence of these people is way way out of control. Who are these people? Not, who
0: are who are who who are these well, people when, when we say these people,
1: the, the people that that think that those who want voting rights uh, legislation renewed, those that want a, a fair act, fair access to the ballot with the most you know basis, basic basic principles in democracy, those who view us as the other are the people that I'm talking about. We are not the other. And I think there's been an otherization that has been successful, unfortunately, or is on the road to success on the other side. And I I I couldn't I couldn't sit by and listen to the misinformation. And let's be honest about this too. Yeah. There was an opportunity. It wasn't like I was out there seeking office. <laughs> Karen Bass, my member of Congress, yeah. uh, left her seat. It's an open seat now. She left to run for mayor. I would not yeah. be running for office if Karen Bass was running for Congress. And for, first of all, you you know, I love Karen Bass. And I also wouldn't.
0: That would be an uphill climb for somebody course, that, that and that's is not, what, not that's only not an incumbent, American. but got nationally famous over the last four years. Exactly. And
1: for uphill climb or not, that's not. Yeah. Who I am, right? That's not that's what not you what wanted this, to do, yeah, yeah. And that's what my candidacy is about. My candidacy is not about you know going through a, like a bull in a china shop. That's not what I want. I just want my voice that has a perspective that I think is unique among the 435 people in Congress. I think it's unique to have a reporter who has been proximate to these grievances, who has has seen the problems uh, in in the country. I'm going to be one of 435. I'm not going to solve them all. No, I think my, my voice and my perspective and more to the point, I think my impact on who the next leaders in the House of Representatives will be is important. And I think my my perspective will will contribute to that
0: when we talk about voting rights and we talk about the the packages that that you know were were in the mix and and uh, ultimately uh, you know were uh, not passed uh, the the reason why from my point of view was infighting amongst the democratic party you know the 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 republicans are in the minority in both houses and while their opposition can be counted on uh in in many different things. It was an ideological battle amongst the Democrats that prevented uh, uh, these things from, from going through from your perspective as a candidate, what needs to be done there and how are you going to factor into it?
1: Well, I, I, first of all, I, it, it was held up in the Senate. I'm not running for Senate. Uh, what needs to be done? I think the
0: voting, we're talking about voting rights. We're talking yeah, about voting, voting rights. rights. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes.
1: I I think that the voices, you know, Everybody says that they go to Congress to to represent their constituents. You are yeah. a capital R representative, right? Yeah. Uh, but I also think that as much as your job is to share with your constituents and to take their voice to Washington, I think it's really important to take Washington's voice back to your constituency. This is what's happening in D.C. And this is what reporters do. This is what you yeah. do every day is you yeah. talk about and, and you talk to a big mass of people. As, as a representative, I'd be, I'd be speaking to a finite number of people in the 37th district. I, I think it's important to understand that voting rights should stand apart from a bill. This isn't a bill. This is and I'm now I'm channeling Obama and Biden when I say this is who we are. And I, I don't mean to do it, but but but. You know, it's not an understatement to say that. And it's not political, you know, you know, bullshit that we've tried to carve our way through as reporters. It's actually true. It's voting rights. It is it is a principle, but it is also a lightning rod for everything that's wrong in the country. And I think that 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 representatives and senators and I'm not going to be a senator. Representatives need to know this. And this has to be sort of echoed and hammered home. And it's not a black issue. It's not a Hispanic issue. This is all of us, right? This is about us. And, and you can't help but have it feel hokey. Uh, but there's something also liberating about being able to say it now that I'm not a reporter anymore, which is that, that there, there's a crisis now. Democracy, there's an emergency. And that's OK. We've had them before. They, we get through them and we don't always get through them really well. But this is one that we need to get through. And I want my voice as someone who has heard it from so many people, from, you know, white farmers in Iowa to black farmers in South Carolina to from civil rights leaders to people marching, uh, you know, in Charlottesville and, 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 you know, I, not that I was in Charlottesville, but the people that were marching in Charlottesville were in Florida a few weeks later. And I spoke with them. I've gotten every end of every story, which is, it's a gift that we have as reporters. We don't, yeah. you know, we don't, have the, the, you know, uh, as much, we're not the elite media. We're out there and, 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 and uh, trying to get people to talk to us. But but that's a perspective that I think is important. And to be able to share that, I think there's a wealth of information that I have that my colleagues would be able to have to understand exactly how to talk about these issues.
0: When it comes to voting rights, one of the things that I feel was kind of not explained politically is, you know, we went through a very, very, very fascinating election during a pandemic, during lockdown. That required a lot of public health mitigation factors up to and including an expansion of mail-in voting and Dropbox voting. Right. It felt to me as somebody watching this that Mm. we immediately kind of hardened into these two sides, either of which really described... What I thought was like, okay, are we going to have a conversation of what we learned during the lockdown uh, uh, voting measures that were including, uh, uh, you know, more mail in voting in states that hadn't done it before with Dropbox voting that in states that hadn't done it before? Like, are we going to review this and then think of, okay, well, maybe we should do more of this or do that, or maybe this was not handled correctly, or let's do an audit to see how at least it went when it was new. Instead, we immediately sort of hardened into Voting rights means the pandemic era. Anything that came in during the pandemic needs to stay. And the other side is not only do we need to take out stuff that was during the pandemic, but also while we're removing stuff, which fairly rarely happens in politics, things tend to get added, and not taken away. Uh, right. We should also talk about more things that we should take away. And and the, the reasonable position from from my perspective was. I don't know. Can we talk about this? Like, because all this happened really, really, really fast. And I think it's disingenuous on both ends to just assume that one st- or, or, or the other is is in any way back to where we were before when every little incremental thing would have been debated forever. Right. And, but but I mean, that's
1: that's the thing about these little incremental things that were being deba- debated is that, you know, I believe that they shouldn't be debated. I mean, everything should be debated, but I don't think yeah. there was much. The debate is what what I'm saying. I uh, look, it took a pandemic for this country to expand access to the polls in a weird way. Right. We couldn't get access to the polls because we couldn't walk in because we didn't want to be near people. Uh, So what happened? It made it we made it easier for people to vote. And then misinformation on the other side from the losing side, uh, what was was. Has still being spewed, right? I mean, there's still people who are spreading misinformation about the results of that election. Information that has gone through the courts in an almost undefeated way, uh, which is how we do things in America. If you don't like the courts, that's one thing. If you think the courts are tilted, you're entitled to that. But that's how we do things here. But
0: yeah, no. When 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 the whistle blows and and the, right. the, the scoreboard says you know triple zeros, that's a wrap. I mean,
1: scream at the ref when he's skating off the ice. Yeah. You can do that, but he's the one who had the 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 the, the rule on the gold. And and so I I think that that you're right, you know, that things happen in such an accelerated way during the pandemic, uh, especially as we voted, because it was an emergent situation in, in so many ways. But because it was pandemic era correction doesn't mean that it was bad. I mean, I think you saw a way that more people were able to vote under terrible circumstances when we weren't sure that anyone was going to vote. Right. I mean, there was a point there. Uh, how are we going to have an election? People were talking about postponing it at the extreme. Oh, but,
0: yeah. But, oh, that was, that yeah. was never going to happen.
1: <laughs> no, that was never going to happen. But I mean, just that we're having that conversation. Right. What does that It was tell- It was in the
0: ether there. there yeah. was Somebody yeah. on Twitter said it somewhere. Sure. Right. Right. Yeah. i I've, yeah. I've I've. Uh,
1: I've been on Twitter before.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> Lovely place. The, the, it's just
1: gorgeous. The, the, um, but, but but to go back to what you're saying, I, I, I think that there there is a level of reasonableness that we have to have about voting, that some of the things that make perfect sense. Uh, you know, there have been people that have been fighting ballot access for a long time on the other side. I mean, y- you know that it was. Uh, uh, who, who am I thinking of? Um, Paul. I'll I'll think of his last name way, Paul. Anyway, it doesn't matter now. And it was 1982. And he was taught he was a conservative leader. And he was talking Mm. about how we have to, uh, you know, the more people to vote, the worse it is for us. Well, that's not the case. And but that has been a pervading sentiment among many people in this country since the country started. And here we have a chance to do something simple and say, no, we're not going to We're not going to allow that to to stand Uh, Paul Weyrich. That was his name. Okay, Uh, and 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 we're not going to allow that to stand. I, I think that's simple. That's a simple place to start. And and I do think, though, that there are a lot of people whose voices aren't being heard on this. And it's being put into, like you said, other legislation. It's being voted on along with other things. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily the most important thing that's on Capitol Hill right now. I'm saying, though, that the fact that it's still sitting up there uh, tells me something about where we are. And it goes back to your why question was a long way here. This is why, because we need to sort of fight through that and and put things aside that are just too important to to include in other things and have too much debate.
0: I mean, if I'm if I'm being honest, though, part I would have loved to have had a longer more robust conversation nationally about voting rights But it seemed like it was kind of tacked on at the very end because the party was also in a civil war about other legislation that they weren't able to come to the same page on.
1: Well, you know, and I don't think you're saying anything that I'm not right. I'm basically saying that, you know, it it should be bifurcated. It shouldn't be part of some other piece of legislation. And we should we should have people on the record who are opposed to sort of expanding those rights. But, you know, this was happening long before the pandemic. This was called the John Lewis Voting Rights Act because John (laughs) Lewis died in the middle of it, but it's also something that that had been on Capitol Hill, the renew the renewal of uh, the Voting Rights Act. It's it, it been on Capitol Hill for a while. And now it seems that even Democrats are fighting over it. And that's what i talk That's what I say that, that this is, you know, we, the alarm bell should be sounded. And it's it's and I called it a lightning rod. It's not the only thing. But when it starts at voting rights, it goes to so many other plays.
0: All right. If we can, I would like to talk to you about the process of transitioning into a politician yeah. strategically, because right. you are coming into this as a novice. This is your first race that uh, right. the, the, that you are running. I can only imagine that you, like me, and watching a bunch of races, and and you can't help but notice. Oh well, that's a stupid decision. That's a good decision. Look at how smart that was. Look at how uh, faulty those uh, lines of reasoning were. Uh, let's start here with i think the the core of you as a candidate you are a journalist you are now a candidate journalists are often thought by varying different uh uh uh, groups as being biased or in the tank for various different causes usually things that the people who are saying those things are diametrically opposed to uh now you are you are running is there any part of you that's like wow that's that's kind of weird. People always say that journalists are biased, and now here I am running for uh, a. Uh, I'm running for elected office. Uh,
1: look, I think you do your job the way you do your job. I'm I'm proud of the journalist that I was for the moment. Yeah, um, we'll use the past tense. Uh, I, I I think that I told stories as I was assigned to tell stories, which is to tell the story. This is yeah. what happened. This is what. And I go, well, let's go back to that racist guy in Florida who when they were when they had a when they were at the University of Florida and and and, uh, and they were it was in the wake of Charlottesville. And I was talking to this guy It was a Klansman who 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 later that day was arrested for shooting a gun. Um, you know, he told I asked him why he was there. I was asked him why he thought certain people were inferior. I listened to him. I made that part of my story. I told the story. I was yeah. seething inside when he was yeah. talking. And, and that's what we go through as journalists. And we were there to tell the story. Uh, but we're still I'm, I'm still Michael. Right. I'm yeah. still this person who is angry that this other person saying this to me. But I have a story to tell. I have a responsibility to my employers and to my viewers. And that was that. Uh, what is different now uh, is is that I can sort of be part of you know, being open. And this is who I am. And I have opinions. I always had them. I was just free to, to share them. Uh, but by by leaving journalism for now, and going back and and into into running or going into running for office. And there are things you were talking about how we've, you know, we've covered this for a long time. And we think we, we know, I know a lot more about candidates than than a lot of than the people I'm running against doesn't make me a better candidate. But no. I know a lot more about them. Yeah, and I thought and you think because I know you you think, you know, just about all there is to know what I've learned in the first 10 days of doing this is how there's a whole part of this that we are never privy to you and me and yeah. other reporters, uh, And it is it has happened right it happens right away and by the time we get to a candidate they're a candidate they're a nominee they're elected they're uh they're a person of interest who has a background let's say it's covering you're doing a story on howard schultz who's thinking about running for office and you go and you know that person and it's not about his candidacy it's about who he is here uh what i can tell you is that the part of the of campaigns which is fundraising is yep. something that I you, no one's in the room. As a matter of fact, the people that coach you in fundraising say no one can come in this room, and 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 that's and that's the the experience I've had. And it is ugly. It is unfair. It is imbalanced. It takes up too much time. Every complaint you've ever heard a candidate say about how oh, I hate dialing for dollars, I hate dialing for dollars. It's shown a new light on that for me because. It's horrible, but it's about consistent. <laughs> we have to get money out of politics. And I know this a weekend. And I knew it, it's how I felt before. Yeah. I didn't say it, I, but it, it is, it, it's unfair. It's unfair that I can have a nice, comfortable job that I can leave to run for office, have a couple of bucks in the bank, and run for office where if I am an employee somewhere who's, you know, of a paycheck to paycheck and I might be a better candidate than Michael shure I can't run for office because I can't afford to do it. And I don't know the people that Michael shure knows who a network of people that he's gone to school with, that he's worked with, that, mm. you know, it's terrible being a journalist because none of your journalist colleagues can give money to you. But, no. <laughs> uh, but, 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 but it, what I'm, what I'm trying to say, it's illustrative of the fact that there, it is not an even playing field and that's the part of it that I, didn't know
0: about. So just to highlight something that I think you already said, but, but just to make sure it's clear to everybody you are right now, this is, this is not a situation where like a, a, a radio show or podcast host is running for office quote unquote, but they're still doing their day job. And, and this is, you know, a a Um, side hustle. You are done for now doing the, 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 the trade that you had made a living at. This is your full-time job right now.
1: Exactly. That's right. I couldn't do it. A, honestly, uh, I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be out there telling a story and and knowing that I was a congressional candidate, nor do I think any network should put someone on the air who's running for office. Uh, by the same token, um, it t- also requires a ton of time that I want to put into this race. But I am, you know, I'm fully committed to this. This is not a lark. This is not a stunt. This is really it, like I, I may have said, I don't know if we were on or not. But this is the bravest thing I've ever done. Yeah. It's 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 not a life that's been marked by great bravery, but this is certainly absolutely the bravest thing I've ever done. And and I'm doing it because I think that I actually um, can make Congress a little bit better.
0: So you're sitting around, you're having these thoughts, you you are are interested in doing it. You are you are you are electrified by the bolts of an urge to better your country. Beyond what you are running on and what you are going to Congress to do, X's and O's, who do you call? How do you get into it? Does somebody reach out to you and say, you want to know what? I think you would be uh, uh, the guy Uh, uh, just mechanically. How does that happen?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. You know, I thought about it. I've thought about it at different times. You know, I, I, I think if you are a sports fan, you, when you come up as a kid and you're like, I want to play for, you know, I want to play for Yankees. I want to play for the Rangers, whatever it is. And that's Um,
0: every sports writer's story. Every sports writer's story is I, I, I wanted to be uh, playing blank sport and then at some right. point I realized I was a scrawny kid from Long Island. And now I need to go to Syracuse and get a journalism exactly. degree. And, and I'm
1: in the press room eating crawlers after the game. Exactly. So I, I think that, that, uh, uh, so that's part of it for me. Right. I mean, this is an arena that anyone can get into. Yes. There's no way that I was ever going to be able to play shortstop for the Yankees. Yeah. Um, a, because I'm a lefty and no one wants a lefty. Shortstop. <laughs> but but B, because, it, you know, I don't even have to go into what B is. But this is something that anybody can try and do. And, yeah. and so Howard Cosell wrote a great book. He was a, you know, for people who don't know, he was a, the, the voice of sports in the seventies and he was the voice of Muhammad Ali's career. And his book was called, I never played the game. Uh, so it, very before you even open the book, it's a disclaimer that's saying, I don't know everything about this, but I know a lot. Yeah. And that's sort of what my candidacy is. I, I've been on the road. We, you know, you and I have seen each other mm-hmm. all over the country. Yep. Uh, as as a reporter, but I never was in the arena. And so now I can change the title of my book because it is it, it will either make me a, a, a much more informed political analyst at some yeah. point, but hopefully it'll make me a congressman. And and I think that that. That you know, th- this experience is, is what that's about. So what you, you ask the mechanics of it. I call you know, I from having covered politicians, I I called a number of, of consultants and people who worked on different campaigns that I've covered, uh, asked them for referrals. I got into this race late, um, not not too late, but late, and. I found a consultant and uh, who had a partner in in his consultancy, uh, a woman who knows this district really, really well. Yep. And the two of us then, you know, then he knew some other people and we have a small staff going right now. And then you get then he hires a fundraising um, guru, I guess, a fundraising consultant who scared the hell out of me because it's like a drill sergeant comes in, tells you how you make calls, who you ask for, how much you ask for. And, and that, that's totally not my gig, right? You know, yes. calling someone up, uh, you know, who I haven't spoken to in eight years and saying, you know, pretending to, it's not that I don't care about how their life and, and their kids and their job are. It's that I have a purpose in this phone call that feels kind of gross. Um, it's, it,
0: it's, it's literally a sales call. It, it is a sales so, call. And the product, is your safeguarding of democracy.
1: Exactly exactly and when You're saying that it sounds ridiculous Right I mean the skeptical reporter In me that's what we're bred to be skeptics Right so I'm this on the outside Listening to Michael Shore make This call and saying oh god this guy's So full of it listen to you know I want to save America I want to you know protect democracy All of this while You know it is in most of its essence Is true it's also a very Very um, strange place to Be for someone who's been on the outside of it for A long time but it's the it's the grid of it right if you if, if you are going to you know again we'll go back to baseball if you're going to be the shortstop you have to you have to take 150 grounders, uh, in an hour and play them and, and just go through what you have to do. It's not always about the game. And, you know, I really, my stock and trade, I think is going to be listening to voters and then talking to them and meeting them and knocking on their doors and laughing at them and, you know, making fun of the, I'm not never going to be, I'm a, you know, I'm never going to embrace the sports teams of my district because I (laughs) Couldn't stand when Hillary Clinton put on a Yankees cap because I knew she'd been a Cubs fan her whole life. Yeah, but that you know this stuff. I'm just going to be me, but I'm going to do it in a way that I think will connect with people. But the first thing you have to do in order to be able to afford those flyers that you're going to hand them, yep. in order to be able to afford the t-shirts that are going to be on your your volunteers at the farmers market are you you got to make you got to bring in a little money in, and you have to. I think money, unfortunately, equals legitimacy in a political race um, these days. So when the first filing period happens. And my opponents see, oh, okay, this guy's, you know, brought in a little bit of money. He's someone we need to we need to talk to and we need to talk about, then, then, then we're somewhere. And unfortunately, that's the point of the realm right now. Literally, we got to do it.
0: How long from the point that you're like, okay, I have made the decision that I am going to run. Does it take to spin up everything, you know, behind the scenes and then make that final declaration that you're going to run?
1: Yeah, you know, for me it a lot of it had to do with the personal stuff. You know, that leaving a, a profession and a job that I actually love. I love yeah. being a reporter. I love I love being on the road covering politics. My favorite thing, it's a drug to me being in, you know, in Iowa when you look at that schedule that we would wake up to every morning that, you know, okay, There's Michael nothing Bennett, there's, there's nothing better. Like, There's
0: There's nothing better. It's just it's so good, and then yeah, and
1: and you look at you look at Iowa, right? I mean, you see Michael Bennett's going to be here, and then Beto's going to be here, and then Bernie's going to be here, and then and Klobuchar's there, and then you got Ted Cruz there and Donald Trump's there, and you
0: see your day, and it's
1: Most people you know would think, God, that's a horrendous day. I
0: and I know it's the best. It's the best. It's the the best. best, It's like yeah, you're you're in some freezing warehouse in Des Moines for the morning Bernie thing, and then you swing uh, out. And then you're wondering, like, ah, man, can I make this other thing? And then there's a, a, a <laughs> right. one-lane road is closed, and you're like, scratch yeah. the Pete right. event. Like, no, it, it is. It it's something. It is a very unique. Thing that for whatever reason the people that go into journalism uh, are are fascinated by
1: right and and I and I love that and so the personal decision was that, look I'm leaving something I'm leaving a paycheck I'm leaving a, a pursuit that I love and a mm-hmm. profession I love um, and so I took I met with the the eventually when I met with the consultants who I chose I I sat down with them and then every few days they were calling so 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 are you going to run are you going to run well they'd never really had a candidate like me who you know a lot of this, a lot of it was the uncertainty of the, what do you do if you lose? And I was, yeah. what, what, if I go, you know, if this doesn't work out I think it's going to work out, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the race, but if it doesn't, well, what happens? You know, do I go to a network? Well, now I've taken my shirt off. There's a big D on my chest. Yep. Um, and and that's that's something that somebody's going to have to either get by or I'm going to have to find another way in uh, to doing what I did like doing. But again, I'm open to many new opportunities that can come across my path during this process. And there will be. I mean, and yeah. whatever we do, anything new, there's going to be something that comes up. Um, but I, I really want to win a seat in Congress and I really want the experience that we have on those crazy days in, in in Des Moines, they're valuable to share with people because you hear from so many different people. And we're the only ones that do that all over the country. Right. I mean, some people do it in their own district, in their own state, in their own city, whatever. It's pretty unique to have it uh, be so national. And that's really, I think, part of my selling point. I
0: think, yeah, the one thing that I've always appreciated and actually being out on the road. Uh, and and covering stuff was really the biggest reason why I began to understand and appreciate the unique qualities that politicians do need to have. For as much as in, you know, especially me in in the chattering class, I'm 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 reporting so I can talk about what they are saying. I'm not even yeah. doing what you were doing, which was more straight live uh, TV reporting. Which also was another reason. Not only are we're trying to make the same. Uh, events right so we are approximating a reasonable schedule that a politician would have uh uh, you at least had to look good because you were on television i could roll out looking like an unmade bed because i'm i'm recording things that i'm eventually going to talk about but that is that is that is a huge huge element and like i think the only way that you can get Eighty percent of the the way there is to be a reporter. The only way that you can get a hundred percent of the way there is to be the person that everybody's waiting for, so you can do the pancake breakfast and then five other events and then end with you know the the midnight church lock in or whatever.
1: Exactly, exactly. And don't forget the slice of pizza at Fong's in Des Moines at two of in the morning. Yeah, but but but, but yeah, it, it's true. Um, uh, somehow you still looked better than I did, even though that was my job. <laughs> but 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 I I have to say, yeah. it It's true. I look, I think there are going to be things that are better about me as a candidate because of those experiences. Not, you know, my opponents are going to have different experiences that will will help them. But and I say I'm always self-effacing about that. But it's true. Like there are things, though, that that I've done uh, and I've seen and I've witnessed about uh, in other candidates that I think are going to help me uh, in, in this race. I hope they do.
0: Uh, Michael, Shore. Uh, let's go ahead and get, uh, all, all, all the big information out. Uh, uh, where can people go to get more information on your campaign? Uh, where can they go to donate to you? And when are we targeting for your primary?
1: All right. So we've got three questions there. The first question is, uh, you, you, one of the things that I learned is you do something called a splash page, which is your picture, a little bit about your race and what yep. you like a couple of catchy things and for the first time in my life my last name which has been a pun that i've worn uh you know like an albatross uh is uh, is actually great, right? great. sure is yeah. a great political last name so your first you get your first experience with a sure pun in there with sure we can um and uh and, and so and then there's a donate button there it's at sureforcongress.com uh s h u r e for congress.com and then uh, then the website goes up and we're working on the website, but you have to take those, you know, pictures of which we're cynical about, which I will be yep. doing uh, in its most cynical way, you know, laughing with people I've never met in my life at a farmer's market. I've never <laughs> been to uh, and, and, and put those on the website yeah. and there. Well, right. I mean, that's what you have. Uh, that's the way it have works. You, I mean, have, you,
0: have, you, have you been practicing? You're like, yes, I do very much care about your small business face. <laughs> yes.
1: You know, there is, there is that face that you have to put on. Yeah. Uh, if, if you do care, right? Of it's, course, it's of course, wonderful. but you just don't look,
0: nobody looks like that when they're actually right. caring about a small business. Exactly. It actually just exactly. looks like a face. Right. Right. And I'm
1: I'm, and of course, there's a part of me that being me that is trying to think of the snarky, sarcastic thing. No, I no, that. no, I'm no, thinking. no. You
0: have you have to do it. It's it, it's the way the way the, the way that the way it's, it's it, uh, been it, done
1: for sure. Exactly. So it's sure for, for congress.com. Uh, the primary is June 7th. The way the pa- California primaries work, it's called the jungle primary mm-hmm. it is a. Um, so the top two finishers will move on to the general election. There are a handful of candidates in the race um, and it will unquestionably. Be two Democrats who move on. Yeah, uh, even if the Republicans are running. This is the, they know the reality of this, and and you know, as a political reporter, I'm going to tell you it's two. Everybody, Democrats.
0: everybody knows. Yes, no, there, there's knows. no, there's no question. Uh,
1: yeah, and so uh, our goal is to get into that general election, which I think we will do, and uh, believe we will do, and then then it's a race, and then you have to really, you know, I think you have to be surgical in these primaries. Uh, you can't go for every single vote. You have to go to where you think you'll have the, the mm-hmm. be able to cover the most houses and speak to the most people. And then it, it expands um, in, in the next chapter, which would be the general election. And then you can talk to as many voters as you want. Yeah. and You can go to places that you didn't go in the primary, but I think you have to just, you, you got to make first or second
0: uh, at the beginning. And
1: then, then you go from there.
0: June 7th. If your Congresswoman uh, was Karen Bass, you are now uh, allowed to vote for Michael Shore. Thanks so much, man. Uh, 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 A lot of these questions are are things that you know very well. Politicians in general don't want to talk about because they have the the, the talking points that they'd rather put the the onus on. You were very, very open and candid, and I greatly appreciate that. And good luck on your race.
1: I will continue to be, and I hope I can get come back. And I love talking about this. I mean, I'll never give the names of people, but I will always, you know, or donors or personal information. I'll answer every
0: question. Just, I you love know. it. And and just I question. will uh, uh, exploit and, and abuse uh, that uh, yeah, because yeah. I am a journalistic parasite. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. This show was edited by Brett Stewart. Hey, by the way, you want to thank Michael Shore for for coming on this show, for spilling like the real dirt uh, uh, when it comes to being an actual big boy congressional candidate? Head on over to Letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. Again, that is px3guest.com and tell them thank you. You can always email me, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Twitter is px3tweets. You can find me live on Twitch at px3live.com, and you can share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy members, px3podcast.com. Our merch can be found at politicsmerch.com. If you would like to hit me off with a one-time donation, you can do so. PayPal.me slash payjury. Venmo is justin-young-20. Cash app is px3cash. And you can send anything physical in the mail to P.O. Box fifteen thirty one eighty four Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, you can always get our bonus content at takepoliticsseriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss during our free podcast schedule and the $10 tier gets your name read right at the end of the program. Just like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier, Unsafe DB levels. Idris Arslandian, DJ Katie Mack, Niemeister, Dr. G, Admiral Flapjack, Utah Jimmy Montana, Edmund Pluribus Unum, Pete Spicery, 70s TV salesman, or spy. D really and vote for Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Zombie doc, Edison, no mention on the podcast, please. Dot com junkie DP 4 bongo Jewish lives matter. Hundred mile runner staff, Sergeant poopers, Berkeley, Steven, Diana's silent slumbers, Katie, Adam, double K ranch, the old pinball shop, John, the opposable thumbs for dogs. Foundation, super Zoomy. Neil, Charles, Darren, Olin and Angela DL, Steven, Chad, Matt, Miranda Janelle, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Richard, D. Laser, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike, the gen, J Pink, and Andrew. If you would like your name read along with those fine folks, only one place to do it, take politics seriously.com. The weather is getting good. The weekend is here. I hope everybody has some fun time outside. As for you boy, we are uh, on a world's greatest con press tour this weekend. Brian Brushwood and myself are heading out to Vegas. We're going to be doing the uh, ice cream social podcast. And then uh, Brian's going to be on another very fun podcast that he has never been on. And so I will be uh, there with him for that. And we'll probably do a little gambling. Maybe just a little bit. Till next time, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss.
1: Oh!